T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. W-E-E-I, it's Christian Arkin, it's Megan Adelini, and Andrew Callahan's here. What's up, Andrew? How you doing? Good to be here, guys. Happy Friday. Good to have you. For those who don't know, uh, Andrew writes for the Boston Herald. He also has a podcast called Pat's Interference, and uh, you were on TV last night. You had some You had some hot scoops. Yeah, I don't know if they were hot. But I thought I, they were. They were okay, can I start? Sure. So sure. We, we played the sound a couple minutes ago. Dude, should we just play it? You want to hear your own voice? I, I love yeah, that. I know That's why I'm here. I love that. So. I made a phone call. And I was told that Bill and Kraft met today, they met yesterday, they met Tuesday, they met Monday and Sunday after the game. So my understanding is that, yes, the Krafts have nudged Bill into this. We're going to release a statement. We're going to talk about two of the three things. For me growing up, it was no politics, no religion, no money. Okay, for Bill, it's contracts, it's coaching titles, and game plans on game week. But they did two of those three things in two sentences. Obviously, this this was Kraft's doing. I think his point was, A, if we're going to do this, Anyway, what is the harm in putting this out there? Do you want Gerard Mayo back or not? This statement should help us get there. And if you want him back, let's do this. Let's have some clarity. Let's do this my way. Because under your way, the last three years, we are 25 and 26. And ultimately, that eats into Bill's leverage. And he could put, you know, hit his button, the nuclear option of, we're going to do it my way or I'll leave. And that's just not the reality he lives in right now. Okay, so I want to start with the point that you made that you got information. It sounds like... uh, that Bill and Robert Kraft have been meeting every day? Yeah, that uh, how look at me, Louie, was that, by the way? Like, <laughs> I made a phone call, but that's true. On my way to the studio, which is about 15 minutes from my apartment, I texted, actually, that source, uh, you up, which I never thought I would send after being engaged, but there I was. So, yeah, the person picked up, and we talked. I said, what's, open. <laughs> how much of this is true? What's going on? Is this truly, you know, collaborative, to go back to the word of the summer, as far as Robert and Bill? And that's what I was told, was, look, all I know is that they met today, in the morning, in each of the previous three days, so it seems like they're on the same page. What are they talking about? Why do they have to meet so many different times? Well, I think it's are all they, is, coaching related. And is it all offensive coordinators or some of it Mayo? I didn't get any details beyond what I shared last night on the show, but I think Mayo has to be at the forefront here because he's the more pressing issue, right? Like he has interest from the Browns. He's turned down that job. He's got interest from Carolina. That supposedly still could happen next week. And honestly, is Mayo's leverage in these talks, whatever's going you know, on behind the scenes. And then it's obviously the offensive coordinator position because we've all known since, I don't know, you want to say mid-October, this has been a disaster. And so that's something that's just 
you know, going to be fixed. It's just a matter of how. Doesn't the multiple meetings sort of suggest that the first two weren't great? Like, you know, like that maybe they didn't quite see eye to eye, so they had to come in and do it again. Like, it's like a long negotiation, right? Like, if everybody, if everything's copacetic, you don't have to meet four times in one week. Yeah, it, it's tough to tell. I would lean on the reporting from all of our friends, Tommy Kern, about this, where they were, you know, Belichick didn't need any nudging to get to the conclusion that, again, we've all reached for a long time, that the offense is a problem. The staff needs to be reassigned to reassembled to rebuilt. So maybe it was a matter of, okay, here are the contracts lined up. If we move Joe Judge, this might affect his pay this way, or then it relates to Cam Accord. Like, there could be a number of different dominoes knocked over that they have to pick up first before going to the next line. So it, the sense you're getting is that Gerard Mayo, his situation with the team is the pressing issue. That's more pressing than the offensive coordinator issue, uh, given that other teams are also probably looking to court some of the same guys that you haven't even picked up the phone for yet? I think it's more pressing in terms of time, right? Like the decision on Gerard Mayo will be made, whether it's his or the team's, sooner than the offensive coordinator. The search, I think, will take more than a week. It's supposed to start Monday. They'll bring guys in. They need to satisfy the Oh, so they the are working rule. on the holiday. Uh, <laughs> just saying it, it, the way that the statement because the statement is incredible when the statement dropped yesterday there's so many we were just talking about some of the layers to it first of all what do you make of the subject line we are calling it a headline but it's really the subject line of to extend Gerard Mayo yeah, we are going and then to do this hey right. we're in discussions and by the way he's also still up for a head coaching job somewhere else yeah and it sounds like they're at the goal line and just called timeout a couple times well, that's to have not everyone good for looking. these Patriots <laughs> right but it's also I think a way to put public pressure on Gerard because this is their only leverage his contract's up okay if he wants to leave he can and his leverage also is anyone who wants to call and say hey do you want to interview for a head coaching job because you can't prevent him from doing that and that's something that they can't offer. So if you can't match that offer, you need to find another way to convince him to stay in addition to whatever they're offering at the negotiating table. So I think that was a way of saying, hey, everyone expects you to go now. And if you leave, it's your fault because we're the ones who put out a press release to say, hey, we want you here. We're close. It's going to happen. What do the Patriots have to offer, Gerard Mayo? That, I mean, you could start with title. You could start with more money, different responsibilities. Like my understanding, and this has been reported by other people and certainly at NBC Sports Boston, that he does a lot of the meetings behind the scenes in the game planning, in the interpersonal kind of part of the coaching job. And then Steve Belichick gets to call plays on Sunday. And Steve, I think, does a very good job in that. And they were supposedly offered to be co-defensive coordinators. Gerard turned that down. So I think for him, do you just get acknowledged for that work? Do you get more of it? Do you get to call plays? I think a lot of those are on the table. What they've decided on, though, or are close to deciding, I don't know. So you don't know if it's going to be, if it's like assistant head coach or nothing. No. And again, I think it would, if there's a title bump, it's going to be tied to pay, right? Like he's done much better than whatever he signed on this contract for. He joins the staff in 2019. First coach, by the way, to ever join Bill Belichick's staff, never had a year coaching in the NFL or college or in his system. So he was already the fastest rising assistant under Belichick and that's continued and I have to think he'll get a pay bump in addition to whatever else they're going to try to offer. So I'm interested in you uh, saying that they're leveraging their position with Gerard by wording the statement that they put out here this way by putting out the statement that they're you know in discussions because isn't then that a risk of the Patriots looking like they have egg on their face they can't even keep this guy who they said that they ex- that they extend. extended yeah. and they can't even keep him because he just it, it, to me it like 
it could further go into the narrative of the brain drain that's been happening here for decades. Well, I think what they're doing, again, is the only things that they really can. Because, you know, at the heart of Robert Kraft, where Gerard Mayo has a very good place here, he's adored by ownership, is still a ruthless businessman. And I think they're betting that Carolina might have offered to bring you in for an interview. It very well could be for them to help satisfy the Rooney rule. And as a franchise that's coming off of a first-year head coach or first-time head coach and Matt Rule, do you really want to go back down that road even though Gerard's played in the NFL and he's coached in the NFL because that didn't work out so well. Typically, franchises who do that, and you're seeing it now in Denver when they go in with Nathaniel Hackett, pivot from a first-time head coach to a more experienced one. So I think that's what they're banking on is you might interview. You might be one out of eight or one out of ten. Those odds of you getting that job, though, are still 12% or 10 There was a uh, tweet from Mike Giardi that said, an influential voice in upper management wants Bill O'Brien, and also there's people in the organization who feel the wide receiver room needs a real upgrade. Any idea who those influential upper management voices may be? Did you say Mike Giardi? I never heard of that guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Love Mike. Uh, My guess, as Mego, I heard earlier, guess Jonathan. I think that would be... It's like a 50-50 guess. Right, right. (laughs) Upper management (laughs) is basically the triumvirate of Robert, Jonathan, and Bill. I'm not saying that as an informed person in the scenario. I'm just saying... It's 50-50. I'm going to roll the dice here and, and think that, or flip the coin and say that it's probably Jonathan. Yeah. yeah. The headline on the press release of your opinion is upper management is Jonathan, and underneath is like, it's probably Jonathan. Yeah. You know, to, uh, yeah, that's my sense. And I think he's also someone who's not afraid to make his opinion heard. You know, the, the rumblings you hear about the meetings in previous seasons between Bill and Robert is that Bill would give him the same lip service he gave the media because that was Bill's leverage at the time. I'm winning Super Bowls. I run the show. I can do no wrong. And, you know, Robert just took it because, again, he was on the receiving end of those Super Bowls and championship celebrations. Now, obviously, that's different. And I think Jonathan would be able to voice his opinion and that would come out to the media. Get into the offensive coordinator position. How realistic do you think it is that they get something together to get Bill O'Brien here? I don't think it. Well, the big question with Bill O'Brien, in my opinion, is how much control would Bill O'Brien have in New England if he comes here, because I think that's what he's going to want. It's total autonomy of the offense. You gave it to Josh McDaniels. I had it to an extent. Clearly, Belichick having his hand in the cookie jar all season last year on offense didn't work. That was the Bill Belichick and Matt Patricia show, not one or the other. It it was a disaster. So for him, that's one obstacle to clear. I think also, are you intent on keeping O'Brien for a year or two? He's a flight risk. He wants to be a head coach again. Are you a stepping stone? Are you okay being a stepping stone? Would he be here for two years? Uh, maybe not, depending on how next season goes. And then if you're the Patriots, are you okay with that trade-off of, hey, we got back to the AFC Championship game. We scored more than, God forbid, 20 points per game. Like, that happened. Our offense had a pulse again. And so those are the conversations I think you have. In addition to the fact that I think this gets overlooked because we're all yearning for this Bill O'Brien fit, he's a very different coach in person than he was 10 or 12 years ago when he was ha- when he was here. As How in- so? Well, I- he's more experienced. He's been a head coach. He understands what the role is there. But he's also someone that down in Houston, as we all know with their best players, didn't really get along with J.J. Watt or DeAndre Hopkins. Okay, So first of all, you know the Hopkins trade talk, I think we can table for a while. But that's a consideration you have to make with someone like Mac Jones, who had a very difficult season with his first-year coaches and Joe Judge and Matt Patricia. Are you just going to invite that in now with Bill O'Brien as kind of a fiery guy who some have said that that rage gets to be a problem with his interpersonal relationships? But Um, don't, sorry, really quick, don't you think that Mac craves that rage? He pretty much told us that. He told us that he wanted to be coached harder, that there wasn't enough confrontation between, you know, facing the facts of 
how the offense wasn't working. Yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. I Yell think, at me. <laughs> <laughs> I think the hard coaching comes in, how are you going to help me, right? Some of the first press conferences we heard from Mac about the new offense were, as long as you tell me the why, I'm fine. I think his bigger issue, aside from wanting to get yelled at more apparently, was he wasn't satisfied with the why. Bill O'Brien could bring that. I just think it's a little more complicated than we're all just slotting him in and saying, okay, let's run it back like it's 2011. Um, let's take a phone call here. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. A lot of people waiting patiently to uh, chime in. Talk to Andrew, too. Uh, let's start with John in Connecticut. Go ahead, John. Hi. How's everybody doing today? Doing good, John. What's up? With all of this search talk and everything going on, as I told you, producer, I believe this goes all the way back to when Josh McDaniels had basically had the handshake with Indianapolis, ready to roll, ready to move on, the 11th hour with Kraft. They made him a promise that he'd be much more involved with Bill, with potential head coach potential, and you'll be involved in the draft and all of this stuff. With none of it happening, Josh moves on again. Anybody who's been around this team, may it be the uh, anybody who's left as far as coach and stuff, they're not stupid. They've watched this stuff. I don't want to call Kraft and Belichick fraud. I don't. That's a, that's a tough call. But what I will say is anybody who's been watching this, and I mean us as fans, knows the operation, what's going on. I heard there's a little bit of a rift between Belichick and Jonathan that he doesn't want to listen to him. All right, thanks for the call, that? John. Appreciate it. Uh, I think the question here is how attractive of a uh, of a landing spot is this for potential coaches from the outside? We know that in, internally, yeah, people want to get promoted, but someone like Bill O'Brien or maybe somebody else who doesn't have as strong of a connection to this area and this team. Cliff Kingsbury here. Right. How do they How do they look at this, uh, at this potential job opportunity? Obviously, this is a case-by-case basis, but to me, it's really interesting, again, from a leverage standpoint. We talk about that with Mayo, his leverage versus the team and the team versus him. Bill O'Brien and Cliff Kingsbury right now, at least O'Brien's case, his contract reportedly is up at Alabama, don't have a job. So that's a strength in leverage for the Patriots. If you're then approaching someone who's currently an offensive coordinator with another team and say, hey, do you want to come work for Bill Belichick? They go, I have that gig right now. You may or may not have autonomy or play calling. It depends on the team. But that's probably not a conversation you want to have. So you're limited to either people who don't have a lot of leverage currently in their career situations and want to get back to wherever they want to go, in their case as being a head coach, or assistants who have not been offensive coordinators or currently position coaches elsewhere and say, hey, this is your way up. Come through New England. Learn, coach with us. But I don't know if that's something Belichick wants to do. So that's where I think it gets interesting. Of Do they want to commit to Belichick having it his way through assistant X or a new guy to come in with a system and do it system Y? Interesting. 617-779-7937. There's the phone number. Uh, we'll take a quick break here. Ryan Garvin's got your trending. And when we come back, we'll continue with Andrew Callahan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. There's your phone number. It's Christian Arkia, Megan Adelini, Andrew Callahan, of the Boston Herald, joining us here in studio until uh, well, kick them out in about twenty minutes or so. What do you say, Megan? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, it's it's, good. Fr- it's a Friday before a long weekend. Why yeah. did you come in here anyway? Yeah, what's well, you got nothing going on? Yeah, yeah. I'm a loser. No, no plans except <laughs> no for a dinner reservation at eight. I mean, I had plans last night, and those went right out the window with two sentences. You so. got a dinner reservation tonight? Yeah. Where at? Uh, Cicara, the pizza place out in uh, Cambridge. What's it? What's the name? C uh, S I Cara. I've never heard of that. Not familiar. Sounds good, though. Well, I'll come back with a review next time. Okay, sounds good. Pizza review. But you're, I'm not going to, I guess I could take that very seriously because you're one of the dry Januaries. I am. That's why I haven't seen you since before Christmas. I am. I'll come and hang, though. We're two weeks in. How do you feel? Not not great. A, because of, look, just this season and how that's gone. There's also uh, some journalist slash producer of documentaries that came out with something on January 6th and QAnon. It did well. It was on HBO. Mm-hmm. His name is Andrew Callahan. He Ooh. spells Callahan with the G. Mm-hmm. So this comes out. There's a reaction naturally. What comes out a day later? Was it like pro January 6th? No, no, okay. it's not. Thank God. There's <laughs> a there's a woman who has since accused him of sexual assault. Oh no! Now this man is not on Twitter, mm-hmm. and so anyone who just searches Andrew Callahan has come to find me. And so I get the normal, hey, nice breakdown, Patriots question, you suck, run of the mill stuff. And then there's, I can't believe you. You should be so ashamed. You're, You're a, a pervert. Yes. And I just, not me, not me. So this is to the delight of my idiot home friends populating all of our group chats. Um, but it's just been a part of my daily routine since about January 2nd. That's tough, but you know who had it worse than you? Uh, Baltimore Ravens announcer Jerry, Jerry Sandusky. Oh, yes. <laughs> the G. <laughs> that was the worst. There was a whole story done on that. I think he talked to Richard Deitch from Sports Illustrated about how much his life sucked. That oh. is, there's no topping that. Yeah, that's a really, really tough one there. You said his name was Brendan? <laughs> um, anyways, we've been uh, talking with Andrew about the press release, which came out yesterday. I want to uh, bring this up. We talked with Tommy Curran, and there's been some pushback on the idea that the coaching was really the problem last year. There's been some, you heard Vince Wilfork talking about it the other day, saying that the players don't respect the coaches, and that's the real problem, not the coaching, and eh, some other drips and drabs out there. Mike Florio and uh, Chris Sims talking about how Matt was uh, calling all these other people and doing all this stuff and how that may have upset Patricia and Judge. And then Curran drops this uh, this little tidbit that maybe those are the two that are leaking all this stuff. Is there a is it worse than we think in there? I mean, because if that's the case, then that's pretty dysfunctional. I think we generally have it on the nose that life between Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, and Mac Jones is not great. Mm-hmm. I think they're all pretty happy to be on a break. Of course, they'd love to be in the playoffs, but ultimately, that's not a relationship that really got better as the season wore on. When Mac is saying in July, I'm going to teach Joe, and he's going to teach me. Like, that irked the staff. <laughs> I, I can tell you that. I forgot about that. For that, a fact. that pissed them that, off? That's where they started. And a day before was when Belichick is saying Max had dramatic improvement from the offseason, showering him with praise. We're all going, where is this from? Did he learn his lesson from Brady? Since then, it's been about radio silence, except for one comment about loving Max's attitude and passion after the Arizona game, because, again, he had all these outbursts on the field. So part of this stuff that comes out, 
is just how the sausage is made. Florio talks to coaches or agents of coaches. Same with national folk. And it's a lot of, like, Mac calling around the league, as Chris Sims said, might also be one of these where, like, you get trade rumors and -and so-and-so called about that player. And it's like, that happens every day around the league. Was there an offer made? Was Mac actually saying, get me out of here to those those people around the league? I'm not saying that. It just might be people complain about work. They complain to their friends, and he has friends in the league. Not me. I don't do that. That no, must be never. a thing that you do. Herald thing. <laughs> I didn't do that. I never, I never did that at the Herald. Every day I came in with a huge smile plastered on my face, grinning <laughs> Just idiot. like right now? Just yeah. grinning idiot. Man, I love it here. You Great. do now, yeah. <laughs> but uh, going, so when we talk, we hear Curran talking about, you know, it's possible that there are coaches under Bill, Patricia and Judge, who are maybe trying to change the narrative a little bit. It's not all their fault, you know. Mac wasn't a wasn't late. a perfect kid or whatever in this situation. And was the situation that bad? And this and that. How much of that ties back to Bill, knowing that somebody like Matt Patricia is one of Bill's best friends? I mean, I, I'm just saying from the sense of what you get, not that somebody has told you Bill told Matt to put this out there. Yeah, I think they're acting on their own because, again, they came back to New England to rehab their images. Obviously, that has not gone well. This was the only soft landing spot they could find. If Matt Patricia is successful, he goes, I've been a defensive coordinator, been an offensive coordinator, been a head coach, and look, I'm ready to be the best coach I've ever been in these interviews that are probably at least three years down the road now, given how this went. Same for Joe Judge, coached on offense and special teams. I learned my lesson from the Giants. That has all been pushed back because of how this season has gone, in addition to Mac's clear statistical regression. And now Mac did not play, I think, as well as some of us thought during the season, but ultimately it was within the range of what we saw last year. And so when you ask why didn't that year two leap happen, you start with the new coaches because the cast around him really was about the same. And what happened was they didn't take that year two leap. They went back into the worst Patriots offense since nineteen ninety. You don't think he was just devastated that Shaq Mason left? <laughs> it's like, I can't go on. Well, did we see Mike Onwenu? Shout out Mike Onwenu, right guard. Yeah. Their best player in offense, aside from Ramondre Stevenson. Gave up one sack the whole season. True. Um, do you think that uh, Bill's refusal to fire any of these guys, we keep hearing no heads are going to roll, just reassignments, rearranging, things like that. Is that him sort of having their back in some way? Like, I'm not going to yes. fire these guys. These are my these are my guys. They didn't do well in this job, but they're, they're good guys and they're staying here. Like, he's digging in a little bit, right? Yeah, no question. I I don't think the Crafts are probably going to push in that direction because they know he's just going to dig his heels in, right? Like, he's vouched for those coaches. He's brought them back in. He gave both of them endorsements to go be head coaches elsewhere. He very much believes in Matt Patricia, who someone described to me as being Bill's unofficial son, and then Joe Judge, who obviously he believed in a lot to be a quarterback's coach with a second-year quarterback and the most key point of his development and said, yeah, you'll be fine. So, yeah, I think they'll be reassigned. They'll be elsewhere, but I don't think they pushed him to fire them because, A, that's going to be dead money on their hands, and also, B, a waste of time given Bill's feelings about both sure. of them. Uh, we have a little bit of breaking news here. If you were hoping Sean McVay would be the new offensive coordinator, apparently, according to uh, Rossini, he has informed members of the Rams organization he'll be staying on as the head coach uh, per sources. That was an interesting little flirtation with retirement there from uh, from McVay, wasn't it? I mean, you got seventy year old Bill Belichick who's never going to leave. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sean McVay is like, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna weigh my options here in the offseason. I thought that was uh, that was strange, especially considering his coaching tree and how hot it is right now. You know, like the McVay coaching tree, people want people want in on that, and he's ready to just sort of you know kick it all out. Um, that being said. How creative of a uh, offensive coordinator could Bill Belichick even tolerate? 
It depends. Again, I think he has to ask himself this question before he starts making a list of coaches. Do I want to run it back with the McDaniels, O'Brien, Charlie Weiss system that we have in place is still in the files in Foxborough with every single conceivable play, given all the iterations there were over 22 years, or do I want to fully, fully pivot and make the change to a Shanahan system, which they tried to split the difference last yeah. year. It was a whole half measure, a season failed by half measures from max injury and in return with Bailey Zappi to we'll do some wide zone and play action bootlegs, but not really totally invest in that. And if he wants to go with the latter option, then you have a huge pool of candidates. And we're talking about a lot of McVay guys, maybe even people who haven't been offensive coordinators, but will bring assistance with them that know how to install that system. Because that's where they ran into problems, where they didn't have the answers you couldn't find on tape of how to adjust to certain looks. They said, yeah, we can install wide zone. What happens when you have a backside blitz you didn't anticipate? That's why it was a disaster last year. These are not McVay coaches. They're just installing McVay stuff from what they see on film from a distance. Can they? Do they have the personnel on their roster to execute that? I mean, not right now. I was going to say, like, even if they bring in a coach who's born and bred in that system, do they have the line that can figure that out? No, but that was also the same answer when you started training camp last year. And do it they didn't have the work. Personnel? But the right. point is, it didn't work. So, what, what if they pivot that way? Then aren't they? Isn't that a bigger overhaul in the off season in terms of what they have to do with their roster? I mean, ultimately, I think it comes down to the offensive line because that's what you're talking about—a smaller, more athletic lineman that can get out, have all these different. Well, reach they got blocks. that in Cole Strange, right? They drafted that way, he which can't was not put on the first sign. So, <laughs> yeah. but you have good receivers in terms of run blocking. Your gap, your. Uh, running backs are capable in terms of that style. Like, I don't think they're going to run into issues there. It's just a matter of can you change out two guys who are over 340 pounds, Mike and Wenu and Trent Brown, for maybe lighter guys who are better adapted to that system. McVay going back, that probably cuts Zach Robinson out, right? I was never big on Zach Robinson. Yeah. The guy's been a coach in the league for four years. You're going to hand him the keys to your offense because they drafted him in the seventh round in year 2000-whatever. Like, I, I, I've i grown more accustomed to the Kingsbury thinking than I was. But my initial thought to that was, like, if we're hiring for jobs next year based on what we did in 2003, like, I'll go back to babysitting. I'll be a Little League umpire. Like, that makes sense. <laughs> Why does Kingsbury make sense? But, I, you know, he's someone who, again, will do what Bill tells him to because that's where he's at in his career if he wants to be back to a head coach. If you've heard that Matt Patricia is essentially like another son to Bill Belichick, is Cam Accord like his soulmate? <laughs> what is going to happen? Are we even going to know when Cam Accord is reassigned or no longer part of the outfit in Gillette whatsoever? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Uh, no, I think as public as they were with the statement last night, unprecedented move, we've all covered it. They're going to be very quiet about coaches being reassigned and or fired. They're, he's not going to do that. Bill won't to these coaches because of how hard they've worked. And yeah, it was a total failure. We're special teams of the Belichick era. Worst in the entire league. Maybe he goes back to being an assistant. I don't know what else they would do, but I think it was worth standing by Cam Accord last year because his first season at the helm, 2000, they had the best special teams in the league. So you have one. You mean 2020? 2020, excuse yes, me. Yeah, yeah 2020. Yeah. Say, Cam Accord well. was probably babysitting and being a little league umpire <laughs> exactly. in 2000, but in 2020. So he has a down year, 2021. This has been a disaster. Of course, I think he'll be reassigned. We're talking with Andrew Callahan here of the Boston, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Boston Easy, Herald, man. as I choke on myself. Um, Andrew, the uh, end of the season was obviously not great for this team in any real way, but one thing that I still can't really shake were those suspensions at the end of the year. Um, the way that Jack Jones and Jake Bailey got suspended, in particular Jones. Bailey, it sounds like that was more of a, you know, let's get out of this guy's money, but Jones was a, at times the best uh, uh, cover corner in the league, according to like PFF. He flashed oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, in, the, in those early weeks, and they are they're really taking a hard line stance with him. Kind of reminds me of Kendrick Bourne and some of these other guys that this year 
really got punished, it seems like. Um, are they going to be less punitive next year, I guess, is my question. Well, I, I don't think so. But the thing we knew about Jack Jones before he got to New England and put on a helmet with Pat Patriot was his, his decision-making is a little questionable. Right. Okay, you try to break into a Panda Express, however many years ago that was. He's in college. He's a little bit older now. But when you're skipping rehab sessions, as Albert Breer reported, or you're showing up late to them, like that's just on you. If you want to come back and play football, get healthy. Do exactly as they say. He told me after that game in Arizona and we hurt his knee, it's just a bruise. I'll be, quote, all right. Okay, we'll make it all right. So I think that's on him and just a part of the pattern of decision-making in his life that's continued now, unsurprisingly, in his first year in the NFL. What does that illustrate to you about the way that this season ended in terms of the guys in the locker room and their relationship with the coaches? I, I don't think Jack Jones is necessarily illustrative of the entire locker room for the reasons I just mentioned. There aren't many guys in that locker room who tried to rob a Panda Express. Uh, and, that and moved we around. know <laughs> of. Yeah, we know of. Maybe even Was it Golden Tate who broke into like a donut shop when he was in college? Remember that? Golden Tate at Notre Dame, like at three in the morning, broke into some donut shop and just went to town on a bunch of who donuts. Who among us? Look, who among us has not had that thought? <laughs> right. Maybe even just last Cast night. The first thumb, coming right? off of TV. <laughs> um, but no, I, I don't. I think Jack Jones is a one off. Now, if you want to talk about Mac Jones as a leader, as a captain, as the quarterback face of the franchise, pushing back against the staff, that's a different conversation. But I don't. Let's I have that conversation. How much time do we have? You guys are going to kick me out in like six minutes. No, don't look at the clock. Just talk. <laughs> Come on. What, what, so it, in terms of Mac being a leader, do you feel like his leadership was tainted by having maybe a little friction, some tension, not just with his offensive coordinator, but maybe with some other coaches in there? I don't think it was the friction that tainted the leadership. I think it was how he expressed that disappointment or angst or whatever you want to call it, rage. And that thing, the sideline? Yeah, his method, okay? Because if anyone could have rightfully had a problem with the offense. We all did for 17 games watching this team, but he was the only one out there gesturing with his hands, screaming on the sideline. And look, when Brady did that, no one had an issue because he's Tom Brady. Mac Jones, obviously not in the same category. So it's a matter of, I think, with the players, seeing him put in you know, the 10 to 12 to 14 hour days, they understand he's investing and he's not getting his return on that investment because of the coaching. But whether you do that behind closed doors, and maybe he did, and that didn't work, but it's just the way he went about it, I know rub people the wrong way on staff. And that's why I think it came back to bite him because then they're not incentivized to find a solution to meet him halfway because they don't think he's making that effort with the way that he's acting. So last year, Mac Jones's rookie season, his best receiver was probably Kendrick Bourne, right? Yes. They bury Kendrick Bourne this year. This year, his best receiver is Jacoby Myers. How serious are they going to be about re-signing him? I think they want to bring Jacoby Myers back. Of course, like all free agent discussions, and right. this isn't fun, it's going to come down to the numbers. And Jacoby has said multiple times he wants to come back. That's unusual for someone who's going to be perhaps the best receiver in the market. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, is the right agent to have if you want to come back to New England because Bill gives Drew seemingly whatever deals he wants. Antonio Brown, Johnu Smith, Matt Judon, the list goes on and on. Devon Godchild last summer. So this could all happen, but if you have one team come in, the NFL San Diego Padres to say, hey, Jacoby Myers, I mean, Xander Bogarts, here's an insane deal no one thought would be offered. Do you want it? Of course he's going to go say yes. And there are teams, Jacoby is from the Atlanta area. Falcons have more money than the Patriots, one of three teams that do coming into free agency. They might make that kind of offer, even if we can all agree he's a solid number two. And the Patriots seem the same way, but they understand he's a culture driver. I just think they need to bring him back. And if they don't, then I think you get big game hunting in the trade market. But I think their priority is to bring him back. So with uh, Giardi tweeting out saying that, you know, they want to elevate the wide receiver room, who out there in the trade market is the kind of receiver that you could see them really going after? 
So I don't have any specific names, but I'll give you um, some characteristics yeah, of kind even of the teams you want to talk type about. Type of receiver, right? So you're looking at receivers who have bloated contracts coming up that have one or two years left that the teams don't really want to pay that either because they're over the cap or for whatever reason need to invest elsewhere. So I'll actually give you some names. Not that there's any reporting behind this, but you look at a place like Tampa where Tom Brady's contracts all the void years. If he leaves, all that money comes up. They're saddled with dead money. They need to cut. Uh, savings elsewhere. Mike Evans could that could happen. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out with the Chargers. They're up against the cap. Then receivers who signed two years ago to these massive albatross contracts. The teams are going, oh, that wasn't such a great idea. Maybe you make some trade calls then because the Patriots can absorb those contracts into their cap space, and that's where I think you get a veteran receiver. Where yeah, you're going to have to give up a draft asset, but it's not so much because you're doing them a favor, saying we'll take that off your hands. And I think that's where they're going to have to go because again. Jacoby Myers is pretty much the top of the free agency market, and they don't pay for big-time receivers unless they get them at a discount. Are Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater going to be back next year? I'm doubtful. I just think a lot of the way that they acted and spoke the last couple of weeks was a way to kind of say goodbye, and they admitted taking an extra moment in that Miami game, which they won at home, their farewell to Gillette Stadium. I'm not putting it out of the realm of possibility they come back, especially given how that special team's performance went at Buffalo for Matthew Slater. They can still play at a high level. I just think where they are in their careers, and, and Deb McCourty's going to do, I think, the NFL today, this weekend, uh, which he did midseason during their bye week, and he'll be doing media at some point after his career. I just think now seems to be the right time, and they've accepted that. Who fills that void? It's a great question. Uh, from a leadership standpoint, I think you'd love to have a guy like Jacoby around because Devin said after that Vegas game, when we're all looking at him being like, what the f- were you thinking? <laughs> you know, Devin says he's everything a captain is without the title, and you need more guys like that. So Dietrich Twy is already a captain. Juwan Bentley's been a captain. That's great. That's on defense. You know, so they'll fill the void there. But special teams, who steps in? A couple other guys to mention, but they're in their second years. You need to see how they make that leap. Jacoby's done it consistently year after year after year. That's the kind of guy you want. So you reported, going back to the press release that we got last night from the Patriots, you reported that there was some nudging uh, <laughs> from ownership in that. How about the offensive coordinator, the whatever title they throw to Gerard Mayo, should he stay here long term? Uh, is there nudging towards now titles matter? Is there a little bit of a nudging towards restructuring the way that things operate on Bill's staff? So I didn't ask the source whom I texted you up at about 10.30 last night uh, specifically about that. It was more, again, the statement, just to be clear, this is kind of co-signed. Both of them read it. This is how it was sent out. Okay, great. Um, My thinking is, though, of course, I think the Crafts would love for Bill to be less deliberately obtuse with the media and with the fans and with statements like this, where if we're going to look for an offensive coordinator, let's just admit it. This is going to happen. There's no competitive balance that's lost by announcing like, yeah, we're bringing Cliff Kingsbury in. Here's a, here's a release. That's how 30 to 31 other teams operate across the league. If you don't hire him, great. We're all going to find out soon enough, as opposed to Bill, who waits till the eve of training camp to be like, oh, by the way, here are the titles. Because you know what? You make a bigger deal out of titles when you don't announce them, as opposed to just doing what everyone else does. That's not a reason to do it. It just gives everyone more pause and controversy and speculation to fill the void here on shows like this or on TV or where else, because... Why aren't the Patriots offering titles? And then it becomes a talking point. And they want distractions out the window. I think Bill creates more of them by not doing this as opposed to making releases like they had last night. Real, right. Oh, oh wait, ahead, real sorry. quick. Do you feel like Kingsbury is a uh, is on the list of whoever is going to get the interview starting next week, maybe after the holiday weekend? I think so. But is, is it a call? Is it a conversation? Is it a sit-down? Is it a check-in? That I don't know. I think the obvious names are the place to start. Beyond that, again, we need to understand, does Bill want to stick to the old system, what's been here? 
or pivot to a whole new style of offense and trust someone to handle that in kind of the twilight of his career. All right, then we'll leave it right there. Andrew Callahan, beat it. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Have a great it. weekend. Uh, Thanks, great Andrew. stuff, as always. Um, Andrew Callahan, Boston Herald, joining us here in studio um, on the Arcand and Mego for now show. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, there's an all-pro on the Patriots. Congratulations to uh, Trent Brown. No, I'm just kidding. We'll tell you who it is next. Man takes the snap and gets away a line drive, end over end kick, drives Jones back to his own 16-yard line. The turnable runs right to the 20, gets up the sideline to the 30, he's to the 40, cuts it back to the 50, he's loose to the 40, at the Jet 30, to the 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Unbelievable! Five seconds to go! And the Jets are going to lose this game on one final special teams play that the Patriots take to the house. Unbelievable. That play was unbelievable. I loved that play. Oh, what a great punt return that was. Uh, Christian Arkin, Megan Adelini. I want to say thanks again to Andrew Callahan, who just left. Um, why do we play that? I'll tell you why. Because there is one Patriot represented on the All-Pro team. And it's Marcus Jones. Woo! Bravo, Marcus All Jones. All right, good job, guys. All my, right. He's my favorite Patriot, by the way. Yeah, because he does everything. Marcus Jones, I'm not, you know, like, there should be a real blitz for him, I feel like. What do you mean? They should His jersey should be flying out of that place. They should be, you know, pumping him up. They should be promoting him. He's also a musician. Not sure if you knew that. So Not just a, he's a part brilliant, of the problem. A brilliant musician. According, According to, to Vince, Vince Wilfork, Wilfork he's right. part of the problem. I think I'm at the point right now, I want him to be a full-time wide receiver. Like, okay, you were good at cornerback, but can we make you like a, you know, Edelman 2.0 where you can do a lot of different stuff and do kick and punt returns and also be active in the backfield on offense? I'm ready for it Well, honestly, point. that's part of the issue of where they had to decide to put him. Yeah. Because they're low on corners. Uh, their special teams is a mess. And, aside from him. Mm-hmm. And I, he's flashed on offense, so, you know, I mean, is it just going to pop in here and there everywhere? Uh, Marcus Jones got 143 votes for punt returner, and that was 47% of the vote, I believe. So uh, congratulations to him there. Let's see if any other Patriots showed up anywhere in any of the voting. I got the whole voting right here. Um, let's start a quarterback. <laughs> just kidding. That's um, not, that is not nice. How about anywhere on the offense? Pass catchers, tight ends? Nope, nope, nope. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Nothing for Ramondre? Uh, nothing for Ramondre. Oof, that's the running backs. I mean, this is the oh, whole Oh, sorry. League. I was thinking running backs. It's uh, Jacobs, Chubb, McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Eckler, and Saquon. Those are the running backs. And Jacobs won. He had 42% of the vote. Um, the wide receivers, just for uh, poops and giggles here, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, Diggs, Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddell, and Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. That is a stacked. Uh, this is one of the best times for wide receivers in NFL history, I think. Um, left tackle, no Patriots. Left guard, no Patriots. At center, no Patriots. Jason Kelsey, Creed Humphrey, Frank uh, Ragna. At right guard, Zach Martin and Chris Lindstrom. And then Mike Onwenu hey! got, uh, got 15 votes. Good for it's him. It's actually Good for Mike. ONU now. What is it? It's ONU. It's ONU? ONU? No, ONU. ONU. That's how he wants to pronounce. Did Get he it say right. that? Did he say that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Charles Davis said it on I'm not, the broadcast. Why, why, that would be the weirdest joke to make. I didn't know if it was something, <laughs> if it was like an old show joke. Was no. in it. Next level <laughs> galaxy brain thinking you. with her comedy. I mean, listen, I deserve to be corrected at least three times a show. Um, no right tackles. At edge rusher, this is a little controversial. Your edge rushers, all pro, Nick Bosa, 
Micah Parsons. Miles Garrett didn't make the cut, but got a lot of votes. Then Hassan Reddick, Max Crosby, and after all those guys, Matthew Judon, who I Judon. believe got a Judon, who uh, Judon. got 15 votes. No, it's Judon. I said that. It's Judon. Brian Burns and TJ Watt also uh, on the list there. Did Judon get screwed a little bit? Yes. That's rude. That's disrespectful. Do you, I don't. I don't understand what counted so poorly against him. I mean, he's got the. I'm looking through the entire stats. He fell off in his sack rate towards the end of the year, but mm-hmm. he still had one and a half against Cardinals. Yeah. He had one against the Bengals. I, I think he got screwed. I'm not surprised that Bosa and Parsons and even Garrett got voted ahead of him. I am surprised by Reddick and Crosby. Reddick's on a really good team, and that defense is really good, and they got a bunch of sacks this year. Crosby? Crosby's better than Matthew Judah? Like, I like Crosby a lot. I think he's a really good player. But I don't think he's better than Matthew Judah. What do you think went against him? I don't know. I don't know. I wonder if it's uh, I wonder if it's the team's not that good, but neither were the Raiders. So did like, they look at it and go, ah, you know, he got all of his uh, his sacks really early in the season. He didn't do much down the stretch. He faded. And I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that, but you know, somebody that doesn't cover this team every day like like we all do would look at it and go, ah, you know, he kind of faded at the end. And there's some guys that really stood out when it mattered the most. I don't think he faded that much. Honestly, he didn't fade as much as last year. Last year, he disappeared. This yeah. year, I mean, he had a strong start and wasn't as good towards the end. But, I mean, he was still productive and he was still, I think, a disruptive force coming off yeah. that edge who elevated all the other guys well, that, in that pass That's rush, the too. point right there is the emergence of Josh Uche towards the, you know, in the second half of the season. I think a large part of that has to do with all the attention that's getting paid to Matt Judon. Sure, but Max Crosby Judon. also lines up across from Chandler, Chandler Jones. Jones. So, I mean, like, you know, it's a, if you think, well, these guys are making him look good, then what's Matt Crosby? Crosby's deal. Uh, that's sort of how I feel about it. But, you know, bygones be bygones. Matthew Judon, something to be motivated for next year. Um, interior linemen, no Patriots. Uh, linebackers. Shocker. You're not going to believe this, but no Patriots made the cut here either. Uh, it was Fred Warner of San Francisco, who I love, by the way. Roquan Smith, who just got that big contract from Baltimore. And Matt Milano with the Buffalo Bills, who folded Mike White in half this year. And then uh, Bobby Wagner, C.J. Mosley, et cetera, et cetera. Cornerbacks. This is an interesting one. Your number one all-pro cornerback, rookie Sauce Gardner of the New York Jets. Sick. It's pretty good. Pretty good for the kid there. And he got 43%. He got 136 votes. Um, joining him is Patrick Sertain the second, the Denver Broncos. They had a great defense this year and nothing else. Then Jair Alexander, who I thought would get more consideration after that game he had against uh, Justin Jefferson. Bradbury, Philadelphia, Darius Slay, no Patriots. Jonathan Jones, not on the list. Then we get to safeties. The One of the strongest groups in your team. Absolutely one of the strongest groups in your team. And two Patriots got all pro votes. Hey, now. Minka Fitzpatrick took it home with 139 votes. Then Talanoa Hufanga from San Francisco. Derwin James with the Chargers. Justin Simmons, Jordan Poyer, Ryan Neal, Teron Matthew, Von Bell, Quandre Diggs, Kevin Byard, Buda Baker, Rayshon Jenkins. And then with six votes or 1% of the vote, Kyle Duggar. Hey! Yay! Way to go, Duggar. You made an appearance. He's ahead of 2% next year. That's right. He's ahead of Harrison Smith, C.J. Gardner, and uh, several other safeties, including his teammate, Devin McCourty, who also, I think, got one vote. (laughs) So good for those guys. More than zero. Uh, Duggar with more votes than McCourty. How do we feel about that? Um, I feel like the McCourty one is just a respect vote. Like, Alan McCourty's name should be in here Mm. because he's retiring. Yeah, could be. Real, um, real quick, though, text line has an interesting point uh, about Matthew Judon getting snubbed. 
Remember, he complained a lot about the random drug testing he was having. That's true. He got randomly drug tested like four or five times. And right. each time he posted on Twitter that the league was after him. Yeah. Every time he'd have like three sacks, they'd <laughs> make him pee in a cup or something, which is annoying. But that's now, how, this is that's how on, it is. That's it's how voted it on by media members, though. Uh, yes. So uh, I don't think the media members are going to punish him for tweeting about random drug testing. They're I not connected so. to the league. Um. After that, it's all special teams, no punters. Uh, for kickers, the folk didn't show up on the uh, list this year. He didn't get any votes. Punter, obviously not. Michael Pilardi didn't get any Michael votes. Michael Pilardi uh, shafted this year. Rigged. Um, Marcus Jones did get a vote as a kick returner. As we told you, he uh, is the punt returner on the All-Pro team. And for other special teamers, Matthew Slater got a couple of votes for Gunner. And Brendan Schooler. Brendan Schooler got an All-Pro vote. Good for him. And that's it. That's it. Those are all the uh, Patriots who showed up here. Um, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's grim. It's pretty lean. But on offense, it's grim. On offense, Onwenu, whatever you call him, however he says his name. Owenu. Owenu is the only one who got a vote. That's the only one who got an all-pro vote on that entire offense. That's, I mean, I didn't expect any of them to be an all-pro, but when only one guy even got a vote. Sorry, state of things. It's tough. That's tough there. I think sure. it also says, like, Obviously, we I would say the vast majority of Patriots fans really value what Ramondre Stevenson did for this team. Definitely. But the fact that he's not getting a single vote really tells you like how far away the Patriots are from having like a quality skill position player on offense. I mean, you go, you just fire off all those names of running backs. I'm like, yeah, I think all those guys are better than Ramondre Stevenson. Ramondre still had a really good season. Stevenson had finished the year with over a thousand yards and five touchdowns. Five rushing touchdowns. I don't know if he had receiving touchdowns. He may have. Um, he was your but, number one receiver on the team for a good stretch of the season, too. Here's who's ahead of him just in yards. Uh, Kenny Walker in Seattle, Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Etienne, McCaffrey, Fields, who's not a running back, uh, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, and Josh Jacobs. Like, he's 13th, you know, 13th on the list. And he can get better, and I think he will get better. He certainly made a huge leap this year. But uh, he's not elite yet. He's not elite yet. Uh, but not I think he's close. yet. I do think Could he's close. 617-779-7937 is your phone number. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears a little bit as the Celtics won their ninth straight game over Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets last night. It was, uh, it was a fun one. We'll get to that next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.